You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. With just two ways Outrun the law Or spend my life in jail I'd like to settle down But they won't let me For this episode we're going to be talking about Merle Haggard, I'm a Lonesome Fugitive In the room I have Rob Hello And Ben Hello I'm a Lonesome Fugitive is the third studio album by Merrill Haggard and The Strangers, released on Capitol Records March 4th, 1967, produced by Ken Nielsen. The genre is country and outlaw country. And I'm going to read from the book of uh, Peter Watts. Merrill Haggard and Johnny Cash both learned the value of prison at around the same time. For Cash, it was the release of two prison albums that made him one of the biggest selling artists in America. For Haggard, a former convict who saw Cash play San Quentin in 1958, it was the discovery that a country singer with a criminal record was an attractive commercial proposition. Between 1967 and 1974, Haggard released a string of excellent albums on Capitol that allowed the singer to ruminate upon his past. I'm a Lonesome Fugitive title track was his first country number one and became an unofficial anthem for this part of his career. The album was a big hit, a blend of love songs and prison ballads delivered in Haggard's direct and witty way and kick-starting a welcome period of acclaim. All right, what did we think of I'm a Lonesome Fugitive by Merle Haggard? I like this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you like this stuff? Man, I don't know. It just always kind of... It hasn't always resonated with me, like this like late 60s, 70s outlaw country stuff. You know, I guess in teens and early 20s, I kind of, I probably thought that it was not punk rock enough to to be considered. You know, it's country music. Country music's for your mom and your dad. But as I reached my middle, late Wait, 20s... Wait, did your parents listen to country music, though? Growing up around my house, it was radio country. So it was like 80s pop country. That's what I thought. Yeah. My yeah. jam! Oh, dude. You know, like Alabama, Reba. Yeah. Garth. And you know, it, and none of that stuff's like I, I really don't dislike that era of of this genre of music. But you know, growing up is what my parents listened to, and I moved out of the house, and I like punk rock, you know. So yeah, wasn't gonna listen to country. As I reached like my middle middle late twenties, I started seeing so much more like of the Venn diagram of like rock and roll music of the late 60s, early 70s that I liked, and country music of the like, late 60s, early 70s I liked. There's so much more overlap, and I don't know, I, I like it. I, I like it a lot. I, that was kind of like the, the slippery slope for me. It was like, 
like listening to some songs, uh, like some songs on this or some Buck Owens songs, and then listening to some some like of the more country stuff that like the Rolling Stones do, or that the Kinks do. That was like my gateway, and it was a slippery slope. Now I just not now I'm like into country music. Yeah, not so much you know pop country. Yeah, but anything basically from that time I was just talking about, like 60, 60s to seventy four ish. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, and I, I like it even before that and after that. I like about country music just like the 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 earnestness of it, and just it's plain spoken earnestness. And when you can achieve that with like a hot backing band to boot, you know, that's that's just good listening. Yeah, most of the backing bands. I mean, I noticed that on this album and the Bucko, obviously the Buck Owens album, but mm-hmm. it's just tight playing. I mean, there's no frills. There's you know, maybe a little bit of a solo here and there, but these are what two minute, forty second songs, and it's that it's there and it's done and it tells a story within each one. There's so. some there's some wrecking cruisers in this in this band too. Uh, actual wrecking crew? Uh, yeah, uh, Glenn Campbell's on guitar. Nice. Uh, James Gordon is on drums. And then, I don't think he was ever in the Wrecking Crew, but worth mentioning that Ralph Mooney's playing pedal steel all over this record. Yeah. And I actually was recently, intru- like, I'd heard so many albums that Ralph Mooney had played on, but I was not familiar with his name until I was listening to that other podcast, like Cocaine and Rhinestones. Yeah, great he, podcast. He had a whole album, or uh, sorry, a whole episode about Ralph Mooney. Yeah. And just, like, the reach of that guy's influence yeah. is is really impressive he, he i was looking through my record collection after uh i listened to that that uh, ralph mooney episode i pulled like a stack of records that that he performed on that i and i didn't even know who the dude was and he's the dude making this sound in the background of so many different like albums and artists that, yeah i like, feel like you know? it's tons of studio people especially country right like mm-hmm. nashville is a very studio band centric town and yeah. and especially for country rob you've been quiet <laughs> what do you think i i wanted to like this so much it, yeah it, it, it nothing hit for me it was a little too down tempo and like i mean yeah the 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 band's doing a good job but it's just basically putting me to sleep the entire time <laughs> and like you know speaking to the um like uh, a earnestness and ability to like tell a very like a little story in this like uh, two and a half to three minute format. Like it, it was a little too simple. I know Merle Haggard ha- writes a lot better shit later, but this n- nothing really is hitting for me on this. Like, yeah, I at get all. it. Uh, which which made me sad because like this is the first country record we've had since what like Buck right. Buck, Buck Owens yeah. like back in sixty four. Yeah, yeah, a thousand episodes ago. (laughs) (laughs) So I know. Well, um, so yeah, just uh, like for I was like, oh yeah, cool country record. Let's break up the monotony of this psychedelic shit. And then was like, God damn it, why isn't it just a little bit, yeah, little little more up for me? So yeah, not. It is a somber record. Like even the more up tempo songs, definitely lonesome lyrically. Like there and there's so many. Even the songs that aren't literally about being in prison. Like life in prison. Yeah. That like he's like figuratively <laughs> aptly named. <laughs> yes. Aptly named life in prison. He's like figuratively trapped in in multiple different songs. They who say like like our love is a prison or or 
he goes to like different metaphors, but <laughs> no, like, he goes it, to the same metaphor. Right. Well, uh, but he compares. He uses a prison metaphor on different things. Is what I'm it's like I had this experience <laughs> that's clouding my reality. <laughs> but yeah, it's like uh, I don't. I don't know if it. it I, don't, I wouldn't call it a concept album, but it definitely has a running theme throughout it. That he's an outlaw. That he is an outlaw. <laughs> And his only solace is booze. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds, sounds like a honky tonk album, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, Ray Price. We had Ray Price. Too, yeah. On this. I, but that was a much years longer ago. ago. Yeah. I think that was still in the that 50s. That was in the 50s. Yeah. 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 When he brought the, uh, the four, magic four. of a 4-4 four, four beat to country music. When yeah. he invented 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. I noticed that Hi, y'all. This, this is mainly just a 2-1-2-1, two, one, two, one, mm-hmm. right? A lot of 2-4s. Lot of Four, yeah. A, a tuba would definitely be totally <laughs> apropos, like with uh, with what that bass player is throwing down. And yeah, I mean, just this particular Merle Haggard record just didn't really uh, didn't hit for me. Which I'm, you know, I respect the man, but not. Yeah, that. I actually I kind of felt the same way. A, a very kinda, similar. It drags it, like in. Well, it, there's like the, two the, songs that I mean, I'm a lonesome fugitive. Mm-hmm. Good song, and then the one we're currently listening to, "Drink Up to Be Somebody." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was pretty happy about. It. It's it's pretty great. Um, but yeah, there's, it's not, it's not this like amazing album that just like blows your socks off and you're just yeah, like, like I, wow. I I, I liked I'm a lonesome fugitive. Yeah. I liked Life in Prison. Um, you're gonna not, be hearing uh, Life in Prison again in a few weeks. It's on a it's on a Birds record. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> so we're not done with that either. Uh, no. no, cool. We still got Country Birds ahead of us. Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, I think this podcast is making me realize I don't like the birds as much as I <laughs> probably thought I did. <laughs> uh, Man, there was I. The songs "Drink Up and Be Somebody" and the very last one, "The Mixed Up Mess of a Heart." Yeah, uh, they both have like real like Bakersfield influence sounding, and you know it, it, it's easy to like the six. It's literally one degree of separation between Merle Haggard and Buck Owens mm-hmm. because they're both married to the same woman. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I, I don't know how much you know musical inf- influence Bonnie Owens. Uh, brings into a relationship, but uh, both of those songs just they reminded me a lot of you know like uh, Buckaroo's Bakersfield stuff, and they both have they both have that backing vocal on the chorus that sounds so much like Don Rich, and I thought it probably was, and I, I've looked it up and like on like Wikipedia there's no backing vocal credits for anyone except for Bonnie Owens. Hmm. And there's more than just female backing vocals on this record. Like that last song, when we when we get to mixed up mess of a heart, like listen to that chorus. It it sounds just like Don Rich coming in, hmm. or someone doing their best Don Rich. Maybe yeah. they just didn't credit. I mean, it's Maybe, possible. Yeah. We didn't know that Merle Haggard was uh, tube and throat singing this entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> the harmonies on the upside. If you can tube and throat sing <laughs> some Bakersfield harmonies, I'm in. I am. S- <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying a ticket to that. Let's make that happen. <laughs> well, I gotta keep my reputation. I 
gotta keep my pride I can't let you know you hurt me I can't let you know I've cried I gotta make you think I'm happy Everywhere I go I gotta keep my hurt inside me I can't let it show I gotta drink up and be somebody I'll have another round I can't let my troubles find me I gotta keep your memory down I can't let you drive me crazy I can't let you win I gotta drink up and be somebody again What about this this like honky-tonk style of country appeals to you most? Like, like, because sometimes I, I, I put it on and I'm like, cool song, cool song, and like four songs I'm in, I'm like, eh. I don't I, think I just can't listen to like an entire album. I think I like it. Uh, it's got everything I want. Like, it's got a beat you can dance to it. It's got. It's often involves a really tight band. Uh, it often involves cool melodies and harmonies. Two minute songs. It's just like. It happens to have the same things in it that I look for in other genres of music. Like, yeah. I would look for those same types of things if I'm feeling like listening to like a rock and roll band. Like, I, I wanted to have a cool beat. I would like to be able to dance to it if, like, if that's what I want to do. Tight band, melodies, harmonies, like two minute song structure. Yeah. You know, you just, you just drag it around through a southern drawl, uh, you know, add some fiddles and stuff, and, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Do you think that the there was a resurgence in the outlaw country in the, what was it, late 1990s? Do you remember that? I mean, I feel like Merle and Johnny Cash... You mean, like, a new generation? Yeah. Who would have been the, the new guys of the late 90s? I don't even want to say their names. <laughs> was I, it fucking Voldemort? No. <laughs> I don't... I, I, I was not paying attention to any of this in the late 90s. Okay. Like, my, this was... This only entered my uh, my eardrums because I lived with Ben for a minute. Yeah. Like, well, uh, you know, after after this out this original wave of outlaw com- country... Which, you know, was outlawing, which was like rebelling against, you know, like the, the, the real clean cut, polished, over or well-produced stuff that was on country radio at the time. It was so successful and like the biggest stars in country uh, were affiliated with this outlaw country movement. You know, you got Merle, you got Johnny Cash, Chris Christopherson, uh, Willie Nelson. So then, you know, the quote unquote outlaw is the big name, is like the mainstream. Became the in law. So you know, after that, throughout the throughout the eighties <laughs> and the nineties, these this next generation, like even if, you know, they've got long hair and and blue jeans, you know, they're it's kind of it's just the the standard now a little bit. I know it's probably oversimplifying it, but yeah. just like there's they, there's not really that thing to rebel against anymore because that is the norm. Then you've got like people like Dwight Yoakam who are more of kind of just like a throwback, which I appreciate. I love Dwight Yoakam, but like even him, it's not he's not really rebelling against anything. Yeah, just like tipping his hat. 
No, I'd say, I'd say that uh, the country music establishment took all of the edge and put it into a thing where everyone could be like, oh, this is all right. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's no... Remember when the Dixie Chicks, like, called out Bush? Yeah. Like, the <clears throat> the very, the smallest amount of dissent, and they were fucking crushed. Like, that, that, is, a, uh, that is a homogenized... Uh, Town that Nashville. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for being outlaw, it seems like, to me, outlaw means having your own mind about things. And mm-hmm. it does seem like, typically... In, in Merle Haggard's case, it means Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like to go fast. Uh, well, a certain attitude, I guess, yeah. too. Or presenting yourself... As a, oh right, like I, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure even on even on the truth of these guys, there's a bit of a spin. Yeah, you know, and and it's a spin that's not a stretch. Like he, Bro Haggard did hard time. Yeah, you know, like he can he can tell these stories and he can embellish them a little bit if he chooses to. It's, he's got the cred. You know? So I do life in prison. For the wrongs I've done But I pray every night For death to come My life will be a burden Every day If I could die My pain might go away What's going on, Birch? Yeah, so maybe maybe I'm a little off on the timeline, but it says that Haggard made a comeback of sorts with Anti. I believe it. They were in 2000. They they and they push. Remember, they push uh, Rick Rubens. They were kind of pushing Johnny Cash, mm-hmm. right? So I feel like with those two kind of having a resurgence in 2000, it kind of just uh, you know. Pulled that back in. Yeah. Also, on Merle Haggard's <laughs> page, Wikipedia page, there's also when political opponents were attacking the Dixie Chicks for criticizing President Bush, Haggard spoke up for the ban. Oh, cool. He didn't yeah. say, if you don't love it, leave it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I think he learned his lesson uh, pretty quick after that one took off. Yeah. Oki from Muskogee was taken at face value, but... His hypothesis, which he cites with sources and quotes and and historical events, is that it was just razor sharp satire that he was able to pull off because he kind of straddled that line between the good old boys and like the pot smokers. You know? Yeah, I don't think anyone listening to it though that was clapping along on the ones and threes and the oh, live thing got right. the satire. It, no, at all. And I, I'm sure that I'm sure he realized that like, as soon as he sh- showed up <laughs> to some like beer hall, like f- full of like a whole bunch of, you know, good old boys ready to beat up some hippies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, that, that that's like writing the sharpest witted, like anti like mm-hmm. clan thing showing up at the, cl- and everyone's dressed in fucking robes. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. That must have been horrifying for him. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, or like, man, that check's really cool, so I'm not going to let anybody know that that's not what I mean. <laughs> I think it was like little column A, little column B. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of seems, yeah, it kind of seems like it, as long as it, as long as he's not instigating anything, he's probably like, right. I wrote the song. I know what it means. You guys can do yeah. your whatever. Oh, so many fucking hippies got their heads stomped to that <laughs> fucking song, man. I doubt that Merle Haggard ever turned up his nose if someone passed a joint his way. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think he turned up his nose if anything passed his way. He's he's quoted as saying, you know, that's how I got into it with the hippies. I thought they were unqualified to judge America, and I thought they were looking down their noses at something that I cherish very much, and it pissed me off. And I thought, you sons of bitches, you never... You've never been restricted away from this great, wonderful country, and yet here you are in the streets bitching about things, protesting about the war, and they didn't know any more about that than I did. They, were, they weren't over there fighting the war any more than I was. Now, I never said that Merle Haggard was pro-hippie. Yeah. I just think that he's also not pro good old boy, I, 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 right. which is kind of what makes him an outlaw. Yeah. You know, like... He really is straddling that line. He doesn't really fit in on either side of it. Yeah. You know? All right. How do we feel ultimately about this album? I like this record. I'm giving it a positive. I'm going to okay. go um, stick with a neutral on it. Like, I, it, it's got some... I, 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 can't, I can't poo-poo it. Like, yeah. But I, not, not necessarily my jam. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's like, you can't... I mean, Merle Haggard's... Merle Haggard and... And just listening to, if I didn't know it was him, I think I would still think this is, it's well worth your time, but mm -hmm. I just am not, I'm not going to put it on again, and I might pick a couple tracks yeah. or something, but I'm not a, just not a big fan of this particular album and stuff. No one's getting rowdy to this. This, yeah. this, this is not an album you'd put on at a party you're trying to get people to it's definitely, run around It's definitely, you put it on the 45 on a bar that magically appears yeah country bar in the you know when you're just sitting in your living mall. room home at night thinking about your prison days yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe we haven't gone to prison so we don't understand you know what this i think this album. that we should probably get arrested <laughs> <laughs> and then come back to this just and, do and some see legit hard time <laughs> okay okay see how see how that works out all right next time we're going to talk about are you experienced by the Jimi Hendrix experience. Alright. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, man. But somehow I can't give up my good old rambling ways. Law the railroad trains are calling me away. I may be rough, I may be wild, I may be tough, but that's just my style. I can't give up my good old rough and rowdy ways. I pick him blues, boy. <laughs>